All right, let's look at our scripture that can be found uh, in your bulletin, usually on page four. Let's see if I can find it. And the topic of my sermon is Easter canceled, question mark. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 23. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. The word of the Lord. Well, I wanna bring up a topic that is very controversial, which is the question, how did I end up getting married to Lee Ellen? In other words, why would she marry him? In fact, I think that's the reason why I'm the pastor of this church, you know? They looked at me and they said, what, you wanna be? And then they looked at her and they said, hmm, Okay, let's give him a shot, right? So what was it that made it possible that I could get this beautiful woman to marry me? Well, it was our first date. We went to see that classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I had never seen it before. I don't know if you remember, you know, you've got George Bailey and uh, you've got Mr. Potter and uh, it's a great show. George Bailey is a somewhat frustrated, warped young man who lives in Bedford Falls He's always wanted to leave and go out and spread his wings, but he is taking care of the, uh, the Bailey savings and loan. And he gets so frustrated with life that one day he thinks maybe it would be better if I never existed. Well, and that classic little angel Clarence gives him his wish that he gets to see what life is like if George Bailey never existed. Well, I'm gonna give you a gift as well of a similar nature because I'm gonna take us through the question, what if Easter never happened? What if we went to the tomb and Jesus was still in it? What would that mean for us? You see, if you take away the stories of Jesus' birth, you lose only two chapters of Matthew and Luke. But if you take away the resurrection, you lose the entire New Testament and most of the early church fathers as well. So over the next two or three hours, I simply want to go over the six realities that we face if there was no Easter. Because much like George Bailey, I think we'll realize at the end what a wonderful savior that we have. Well, let's begin with reality number one. If Jesus Christ is not raised, then preaching is pointless. Look at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. 
And the reason that our preaching is pointless is because Christianity is about the resurrection. In fact, it's earlier in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, that they believe the first creed of Christianity was ever penned. And it says something like this in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Did you know that the resurrected Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time? That was part of Paul's testimony. See, at the end of the day, Christianity is not about ethics. It's not about a great teacher. It's not about a pattern or a formula to live better. It's about a risen and resurrected Savior. See, it says here, if Christ is not raised from the dead, how can you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Some preach that, by the way. There are churches where you can go and they talk about worshiping a spiritual Jesus. This is one of the professors of theology who says, I do not think that the gospel stories of Easter require us to think of the resurrection in material physical terms. I see them as parables of the resurrection, parables about meaning. They are truth-filled and truthful stories, even as they may not be literally factual. I say that guy is insane because he's certainly not preaching the Christianity from the Bible. If Jesus is not raised, my preaching is pointless. In fact, we are all wasting our time here. And I need to go out and find another job. Because there's nothing special about our founder. He's just another one of the endless litany of prophets who have spoken about how to build and live a better life. If second reality, if Jesus is not raised, our preaching is pointless and our faith is failure. Notice it says, and your faith is in vain. It is the resurrection, my friends, that is the proof of Jesus' lordship. And the scriptures say it clearly. In Romans 1.3, it says, Concerning his son Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The resurrection is the proof that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If Jesus is not raised, he is not the mediator between God and man. It doesn't make sense to pray to Jesus because Jesus is dead. There's nothing he can do to hear or answer our prayers. Neither should we entrust our lives to him, to walk after him because he's not actively guiding us. We cannot trust his lordship. Now, some might say to me, maybe you've heard this before, that I have faith. I have faith. But you see, faith is only as good as its object. I have something in front of me here. I don't know if you can see it. This is a carabiner. Okay, climbers use it for holding, uh, hooking on and, and carrying their weight. But this is a carabiner that's more for like putting your keys on. In fact, it very specifically says, not for climbing. So I can have faith 
that this is going to hold my weight, I can hook a rope to it and I can head out to Yosemite and I can go ahead and put all of my weight on it. And guess what? You know what it's going to do? It's going to fail me. Because faith is only as good as its object. If Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, he is a sure one to have faith in because he is Lord over death. But if he is in the tomb, my faith is feeble and my faith ultimately is failure. Reality number three, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, the disciples are dishonest. Look at verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Notice the disciples are being very honest here. We specifically said that we have seen Jesus and that he is raised from the dead. And if they're actually lying, what that means is that Pentecost was a setup. The miracles were made up. That the disciples are the ultimate con artists who have hoodwinked billions into following Jesus Christ. But you see, that creates a host of problems, doesn't it? Why would the disciples lie about such an important thing? Remember when Jesus was railroaded off to be killed, all the disciples ran. They all fled from Jesus Christ. And yet, 50 days later, they are standing up in the middle of Jerusalem, proclaiming that Christ is alive. The Roman barracks are still there. The crosses are still available. And yet they're preaching the resurrection of the Christ. And they would continue doing so and receive persecution, ultimately leading to their death. I don't know about you, but I usually lie to get out of trouble. I don't lie to get into trouble. And yet these 12 men turn the world upside down. In fact, some of you are named after them. I don't know if anyone's named John here, or Peter, or Paul, or Stephen, or Mark, or Luke, or Matthew. If you're named after these people, and Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, you're named after criminals and con artists. Next reality, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then sin is king. Look at verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You know what sin is? Sin is a failure to conform to God's law. A failure to live in the way that God made us. The greatest commandment says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, and all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Can any of us lay claim to actually having done that? See, we don't like to think about that, but the record is actually plain, and everything is being recorded. All of my actions, all of my faults, that harsh word that I said, that failed friendship, that lustful thought that I had, and that selfish desire, 
And without the resurrection, it says that I'm still in my sins. They enfold around me. I can't get rid of them. I can't run from them. I can't wash them off. You see, the scriptures say in Romans 4.25 that he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. If he has not been raised to life, we're not justified, are we? See, somebody, ultimately, if God is just, someone has to pay for our sins. Your sin will either be pardoned in Christ or punished in hell, but it will not be overlooked. But if Christ has not been raised from the dead for our justification, there is no redemption. This is a great sermon, by the way, isn't it? It's very uplifting. It's very encouraging. I feel great up here, don't you? There will be a turn, my friends. Remember, George Bailey gets a little bit frustrated, doesn't he? Two more realities. Preaching is pointless. Faith is failure. The disciples are dishonest. Sin is king. And death has dominion. Verse 18 says that those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, when you die, it's over. Spent some time in a graveyard earlier. Shot a little video on it. I don't know if you saw it. Someone once told me whenever you make an important decision, do it in a graveyard. Because it helps you to remember that time is short, right? It's amazing as I look at my kids and I remember them at this age and all of a sudden they're here. And I look at pictures of myself and I look at pictures and then I look in the mirror and it frightens me. Frightens you too, doesn't it? Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished because when you die, it's over. Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 15 says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And is there anyone on planet Earth that has lived a better life than Jesus Christ? The one who forgave his enemies while they were crucifying him on the cross. The one who gave us a system of ethics that undergird our very legal system. It was Time Magazine that surveyed all the figures in history and determined that the most influential figure in all of history, in all of the 100 billion people who have walked the face of the earth, is Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ isn't raised, then no one will be. And what that means is that all of my life, my relationships that I have with my family and my friends, ultimately will crumble to dust that when I take my last breath and all fades to black, it truly is over. Death wins. There's no victory. In the last five years, I've buried two of the closest people in my life, some of the closest people in my life, my oldest son and my father. And are you telling me that that really is the end? There's nothing left. I'm sure they'll live on in my memories. I don't want them to live on in my memories. I want them to live again. No, death has dominion if the tomb is still full. Which brings me to my final point, that the future is ultimately futile. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, 
we are of all people most to be pitied. Another translation says we are of all people the most miserable because we've lived our life in vain. We've believed in a lie and we've put our hope in a future that will not come because ultimately life doesn't matter. It was the famous uh, philosopher and nihilist Albert Camus that said, if there is no God, the only question really ultimately that we have to ask is whether to commit suicide or not. Because in the end, it doesn't matter. If Christ is not raised, preaching is pointless, faith is futile, disciples are dishonest, sin is king, death has dominion, and the future is a waste. Let's stop and pray. But that's not what Resurrection Sunday is about, is it? Some of you were actually stopping and praying. That was pretty good, right? See, that's not the end. It is the end of the best of what the world can give you. If you read and watch the commercials and watch the shows, live your life, build a kingdom on earth, be distracted from the reality that we are getting older and more feeble and that life has finality. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. See, if there's no resurrection from the dead, the best thing that Jesus can give us is good advice. Go out and do these things, and life's gonna turn out okay. But the gospel is not good advice, it's good news. News is something that's already happened that you didn't even have a hand in. And so we must continue to verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And it's a historical fact. This is, there's no once upon a time in the New Testament. The best uh, evidence for Christianity, frankly, aside from changed lives, is archaeology because they continue to, to, to discover the realities of what was written in the Bible is true as we look at the world. Christ has been raised from the dead. It says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, Jesus is the son of God who lived a perfect life and died a gruesome death so that we would take on his record, and he would take on ours. And such, it's impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has defeated death. People run to Jesus Christ and they look to him for a better marriage. They look to him for a better life. But Jesus fights much greater enemies than those. Jesus Christ is the only one who has conquered death. A hundred billion people have walked into the grave and none of them have come out except for one, Jesus Christ. And it says that he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I don't know if any of you are agricultural people, but the first fruits is the first part of the harvest. Maybe you're planting a garden right now. It's about time, right? And you're gonna start watching and waiting and sooner or later, if you planted tomatoes, you're gonna to go to sleep and you're gonna wake up and lo and behold, there it is, springing forth 
taking fruit. And eventually you'll pick that first ripe, red, juicy tomato. It's the first fruits of the hundreds that are to come. Jesus Christ has given us a new path, a new hope, a new way, a new direction out of the grave and into life. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says it this way, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Without Jesus, our greatest hope is in Adam, which is another way of saying our greatest hope is in mankind. But our hope is in another man, Jesus Christ, the death killer, who came out of the tomb Sunday morning and lives today. And so we really do have a wonderful Savior, George Bailey. See, because of Jesus Christ, preaching is not pointless. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. See, you haven't come to hear me endlessly pontificate about minor theological details. You have come to hear the words of life. And Jesus Christ gave a great commission to the church to go into the world, to preach the gospel, that people would hear and they would believe. So it matters what I'm saying. And it matters that you got up and put on your Sunday finest and came, maybe for such a time as this. Because the, my preaching is, is not pointless and our faith is founded. We can trade in our carabiners. I don't know what you put your faith in, whether it's your strength, whether it's your intellect, whether it's your prosperity, but ultimately all will fail. And if you put the weight of your hopes of your life on them, it will ultimately break. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, and it remains, that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you hitch yourself to Jesus Christ, you will have a Savior who will never leave you or forsake you, who will be with you even to the end of the earth, and who will bring you into the next heaven and the next earth when he comes again. And nobody knows when that time will be. Could be 50 years from now, it could be five minutes from now. Because our faith is founded and the disciples are dependable. No wonder they had such boldness, right? These guys that ran from Jesus. Remember Peter? Even if I have to go to death, I will never leave you. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. By morning, at the third time of the rooster crowing, you will have denied me three times. Here's Peter standing in front of the Roman garrisons saying, Jesus Christ is alive. I have seen him. Peter that requested when they were going to crucify him to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to die like his Savior. Where does that boldness and confidence come from? Do you have a boldness and confidence in your life? If everything was taken from you, would you be able to lay your head down on your pillow and sleep and rest? 
You can do that with Jesus Christ because our faith is founded. And guess what? He is alive today. The disciples are dependable. You know, we trust in a lot of messages from a lot of unreliable sources. It must be true. It's on the internet, right? That's why I eat Jell-O pudding. Bill Cosby told me to do so. And I'm still using my thigh master because Suzanne Summers said it would work. Suzanne lied to me. Sin is beaten. Because you people don't even know who Suzanne Summers is, you young people. No wonder I'm not getting any play here. Sin has been beaten because Jesus Christ paid the price. He went into the grave and he came out of it. For he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So death has been defeated. We're just in the mopping up operation, truth be told. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And that means the graveyard is not the end for those who belong to Christ. I think it would be very cool to be in a graveyard when Jesus Christ comes back. That would be like the reverse zombie thing, right? We're all into zombies, the undead. But guess what? They're dead. I don't want to be like one of them. But I do not have to fear getting older because I'm getting closer. And as my body continues to deteriorate, I have a, a truth to tell you. These are my reading glasses, and I've started wearing them. I think it's very important for a pastor to have reading glasses because when you have a point, you can go ahead and do this, which is very important, and then you can, put, and then you can do it again, right? My eyes are getting weaker and weaker, but my hope is getting stronger and stronger because Jesus Christ conquered death. He can conquer death for me too. Ultimately, the final point, that the future is not failure. The future is freedom, right? There are a lot of regrets that we have in the world, right? Man, if I could change that, if I could do that over again, I wish I could have not said that. I wish I had done this. I wish I had studied that. I wish I had not made that business decision. Without the resurrection, we have to live with our past mistakes. But Jesus Christ said, I am making all things new. In fact, every single mistake, every single sin in the life of the believer, God uses for good. And that ultimately, in the end, when I am resurrected, I will be able to look back and see how his guiding hand moved me through life. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, how this will happen. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. See, there is an ultimate order to this thing. And I'll close with this thought. That it's him first, and when he comes, those who belong to Christ. See, this is kind of the so what of my sermon. It's really neat that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. It's really neat that he makes these promises. But how do they apply to me? The worst thing you can do is go away from this sermon and say, wow, that was a really neat sermon. He did a great job. What's for lunch? 
Because we have to stare the reality in the face that our sin will either be pardoned in Christ or punished in hell. But it will not be overlooked. And I love you too much to tell you anything else but the truth. Resurrection Sunday is for all people that they would hear and believe. But the way that we receive Jesus Christ is to trust in him with all of our heart, to put the weight of our hopes on him. Christ came to not only be our savior, but to be our king. We cannot have one without the other. So that empty tomb begs the question, who do you follow? Who are you a disciple of? I've made my decision. For better or worse, it's Jesus Christ. If he went into the grave and came out of it, then my hope is in nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. What are you putting your hope in? And can it save you? Can it bring you life? Can it bring you hope? That's what Easter is all about. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. The only way we enter heaven is on our knees. Jesus Christ, help me. I don't have it all together, but I know you do. And so I will trust in you. I guess back around to Lee Ellen, because all things in my life come around back to my wife. I didn't know everything about my wife when I asked her to marry me, but I knew it was right. I knew it was true, and I knew it was good. And so in an act of faith, I said, be mine. Maybe Christ has led you here for that very purpose. You may not know everything about him, but you just know it's right. May this Easter Sunday be as fill, filled with hope for you as it is for me. Because I'm not getting older. I'm getting closer. And you are too. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you took the nails, you took the thorny crown, and you got up on a cross and died. For God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. May we recognize the reality of the resurrection, and may we bow the knee in humble adoration to you, our King. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.